And well, tonight we're going to uh, wrap up what we've been studying all of this month on the harvest and end times. And I just thought it was interesting. I was reading uh, a CNN article uh, today. It was right today. I don't know if any of you saw it. It was about uh, Pentecostals and the rapture. Did you see it? Okay. Um, and it was not necessarily a positive article. It was, it was all about how uh, people have been afraid, made afraid, by this concept of the rapture and how it has caused issues for people because um, they're afraid. They've been taught all their lives that Jesus is coming back, and if you're not perfect, you're done for. Uh, I cut out some of the article here. It says, for some Christians, rapture anxiety can take a lifetime to heal. And they've got a few people who have been to certain Pentecostal churches and have been taught some things that probably were not correct. Um, And so... Uh, they've they've gone through their whole lives in fear, in fear. I'll read some of this. It says, Rapture anxiety, as it is often called, is, is recognized by some faith experts and mental health professionals as a type of religious trauma, they put it. Darren Slade, the president and CEO of Global Center for Religious Research, has been studying religious trauma across several faith and denominations for years, This is a real thing. It's a chronic problem. He says the rapture anxiety. This is a new area of study, but in general, the, our research has revealed that religious trauma leads to an increase of anxiety and depression. Well, you know what that tells me? That they were not taught correctly. Because I am not in fear of the rapture. At all. I am looking forward to the rapture. And if you understand what it means, and if you truly believe, then you have nothing to fear. Amen. Uh, This person said, I needed to say a prayer of salvation so many times. I needed to confess my sins so often, and so on. They don't understand what Jesus told Peter. He says, you have been washed. You've already been baptized. All you need now is to be washed by the Word. And that's why it's important to come to church. Because the Word completes the washing. And even if it was through fear, the scripture says this in Jude, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by, by the flesh. So tonight we're going to finish up on, on uh, at least for now, on the harvest and, and the rapture. And I'm, I'm going to teach uh, a, a Bible study I taught maybe seven, eight years ago. And it was called the war of ascension. The war of ascension. Psalms 24 verse 3 says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? It's a question. We, we know that Satan wants to ascend. In Ezekiel he said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend in the sides of the north. He wants to be the one on top of the mountain. You know when you were a child, you used to play this game, the king of the hill, right? Who was on top of the mountain? And Satan certainly wants to ascend. And what I'm going to talk about tonight is three battles that we really haven't discussed in a long time. Three three wars that, that, that are going to happen, the Bible tells us, is going to happen 
during this seven-year period. The first, you've probably heard of, of, of them, but we haven't really taught about them in such a long time that I'm going to teach about them tonight. The first one is called the Battle of Gog and Magog. And it's all about taking over the land, ascending the land, basically where Israel is. Then, this is one we taught about on Sunday, but I'm putting the Hebrew name in there. Shamayim means heaven. And we know that in Revelation 12 is where that battle is, where Satan, the Bible says that there was war in heaven. And that's about the wheat, the rapture, and us ascending. It's about stopping us going up. And then the final battle, which you've all heard of before, is called the Battle of Armageddon. And that's about, again, him trying to fulfill his desire to to be on God's mount. So we're going to look at that tonight and study that um, and have a a deep look in all of what that means because I really feel we're, we're close. We're getting close. And I'm not saying that to frighten anybody. I'm saying that because I'd be happy. I would be really happy if I, if I knew that Jesus was coming back uh, this week, next week. Anytime soon would, would suit me fine. Amen. Anytime soon would suit me fine. That would get me out of all kinds of stuff. In the book of Revelation, let's read, it says, it talks about some mysteries. There's still some Well, there's a lot of things we still don't understand, but there's some specific mysteries that are talked about that we're going to look at. In Revelation chapter 10 and verse 1, he said, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. And his face was was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, And his left foot upon the earth, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voice, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. So, I've told you before, God has got some surprises. We think we understand everything or have some idea, but there's some surprises. Uh, God has got some surprises yet to be unveiled. And I believe the reason why he told John not to write it is he didn't want the devil to know what was in his plans. Amen? And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, after the seven thunders spoke, lifted up his hand to heaven. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things that therein are, that there should be time no longer. In other words, no more delay. No more delay. And it's when this angel declares that is when the mis- it says the mystery of God should be finished. That means he will reveal, after these seven angels have spoken, which I understand we'll get to hear at that time, as he hath declared to his servants and the prophets. You see, God's plan has to be hidden because he doesn't want Satan to know what he's going to do. He's outfooled him at every step. 
Amen. He has outfooled him at every step. Satan had no idea why Jesus came the first time. He thought he had came to take over the kingdom of the earth. And so he tried to kill him. And all he did was send him to the grave. (laughs) So he could take over the kingdom of the grave. Amen. But he's coming back the second time to take over this kingdom. Amen. Now, we talked on Sunday about whether we could know what can we know about the rapture. And uh, so I'm not going to spend a long time on this part. It says, but the day and the hour knoweth no man, not even the angels that are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Watch, therefore, in Matthew 25, 13, what does it say? Watch. Watch. What should you be looking at? The signs. You should be looking at what's going on. There's some Christians who don't listen to no news. <laughs> they don't want to know. And that's okay, I guess, as long as you're ready. But I'm always listening. To, I'm listening for every little fulfillment because things are being fulfilled right there before we even realize that there's so many things being fulfilled in so many ways. I was reading today that they're taking a, a woolly mammoth that died thousands years ago, thousands of years ago, and they're going to try and bring it back to life by taking the cells, the DNA, and taking a cell from an elephant and putting the DNA from this extinct animal, you know, Jurassic Park. They're actually trying to do that. That's what I'm saying, for real. And they're putting it into the cell of an elephant then they're going to take that cell and either grow it artificially or insert it back into an elephant to produce a, 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 an animal that hasn't been around for thousands of years. So all of these things are being happening for a reason. A reason. The digital currency is right there ready to be put in at any time. The truth is, I don't even carry cash. <laughs> you know, I have this little plastic card, Right? And it tells me what I can and cannot do. Amen. So we have all of the things that are ready. And the only thing that's stopping it is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that this gospel of the kingdom would be preached to the whole world. Then shall the end come. That's going to be the real sign. Jesus said, look, and it's, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. What he's saying is that we just need to, to watch. And we can see that this is a re- repeat of his first coming and even the coming of the Holy Spirit, as I said on Sunday. All he told him to do was what? Wait. Didn't tell him how long. In that case, they only had to wait 50 days. But you know what? I bet you most of them couldn't even wait 50 days. The Bible tells us in Peter that he was seen by more than 500 people after his resurrection. But how many people were in the upper room? 120. You know what that means? That there's some who could not wait. They gave up. We don't know. We've been waiting 20 days. What's supposed to happen? What's going to happen? 30 days. How long are we supposed to wait for this thing? You guys told me he was coming and he hasn't come yet. See, that would be what is happening today. We've heard all our lives he's coming till, till it just becomes a, a, a sentence. It doesn't have meaning for a lot of people. Oh, that's just... Uh, a poetic uh, phrase. It's not real. It's just God um, trying to portray that he will be here in some fashion. But that's not what the scripture says. 
the angels told the disciples that this same Jesus shall so come again in like manner. That means he bodily went up. He is bodily coming back down. He is bodily. He's not coming in a spirit form. He is coming in a form that you will see him. The Bible says every eye shall see him. So we know and believe that he's coming back. I'm afraid that doesn't give me rapture trauma. That gets me excited. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, not an angel, no, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And what does it go on to say? The dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen. So this is all through the New Testament. If you read that article, you would think that the rapture doctrine is just some little mention. It's not really substantial. Ignore it. It's, it's just a poetry. It's just a symbol. It's not real. So the question is, is when is he coming? And as I said, the Bible makes it clear we can't know the day or the hour. But we can certainly watch for the signs. And if you look at the signs, boy, they're getting hot. They're getting hot. They're waiting for some big ice shelf in Antarctic to break apart. If that thing breaks apart, it's going to cause flooding because it's going to raise the sea level worldwide. It's millions and millions of tons. It's like several miles wide, and they're looking for it to break apart. We see that the the, the hurricanes and the tornadoes are getting worse. You're getting 100-year things happen every 10 years now. That were only supposed to happen every hundred years. We're getting hundred year floods five years apart. <laughs> so that tells you that um, things are changing. Things are not going to be remaining the same. It says, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Here is the, the clue that, that Paul, in writing to the Thessalonian church, gives us. He says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that he be not shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us that the day of the Lord is at hand. He was telling them, the early church, don't be deceived that it's happening right now. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. So what he's saying is that the rapture, the way I believe it and the way I'm teaching it, cannot come until the Antichrist is revealed. But as I've been telling you Sunday, that could be today and tomorrow the rapture. I don't think there will be much of a gap because the thing that, that, that lets us know who the Antichrist is according to Scripture is when he declares himself to be God. And he demands worship. So I don't believe we will be around too much for that. I believe it's almost a simultaneous thing. I think if you are around long enough to to really get to know the Antichrist, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. For that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin 
be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, why is he called the Antichrist? That's our, that's our interpretation today, but in the Greek, the word anti actually means like, a pretender. Muhammad, when he first started uh, the Muslim religion, he tried to persuade the Jews, who there were Jews living in Saudi Arabia, that he was the Messiah. He told them he was the Messiah. And that's originally um, the Muslims' worship towards Jerusalem because he was trying to persuade all the Jews that he was their Messiah. And that's why originally to their holy day was not Friday, but was the same as the Jewish day, Sabbath. It was after the Jews rejected him that he chose a different day, Friday, and then decided to pray to Mecca instead of Jerusalem. So we see there have been many people who have claimed to be like Christ, right? The Bible says he's going to deceive. That means he's going to be saying he is the one. I am the one you've been waiting for. Amen? He says, but when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. Amen. Verse 2, I, I jumped verse 2, it says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. But verse 4 tells us this, we shouldn't be overtaken as a thief. But ye brethren are not in darkness that the night should overtake you as a thief. Now this is just my opinion. I don't have any Bible for this, okay? So don't stone me. <laughs> I, I don't have any Bible for this. But what I do see is that before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, he had a little conversation and he let us hear himself talking to himself. In Genesis, he says to himself, shall I destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and not let my friend Abraham know what I'm doing? It's in there. And he says, you know what? I'm going to let my friend Abraham, I'm going to give him a little bit of warning. I'm just going to give him a little bit of warning. I believe the little bit of warning is, the, is just what Jesus said. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. In his parable in the New Testament, he said they would come, become a cry. Behold, the bridegroom comes. I think we'll just have a little bit of warning. Maybe a day. Maybe, maybe half an hour. I don't know how long. This is just my personal opinion. Because he said, shall I not tell my friend Abraham what I'm about to do? And Abraham negotiated with God. He said, God, my, 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 my nephew Lot is down there. He's living down there. Lord, will you destroy this whole place if, there, if there's at least 50 good people down there? The Lord said, no, I won't destroy it if I find 50. Then Abraham thought about Sodom. <laughs> he said, well, maybe there's not 50. <laughs> God, maybe there's 40. Will you, will you not destroy it if there's 40? And God said, I'm not going to destroy it if there's 40. Then he, then he had a look, another look at Sodom. And he said, mm, I think that's still too high. He came all the way down to 10 people. 10 people. And there weren't 10 people in all of Sodom. I hope there's more than that in Milwaukee tonight. Amen. Amen. I think there's more than 10 in here tonight. Amen. But uh, this is just my personal opinion that we, we, those who are listening may get a, just a tiny bit of warning. Just a tiny bit of warning. Just enough to, to get your clothes on and get ready. As they did in Exodus, right? When they were leaving for for, for out of Egypt, they had about a three-day warning. He told them, this is what's going to happen. On the tenth day, you go get the lamb. You hold it for three days. And on the fourteenth day, you cook it. And you better get dressed because we're leaving. 
we're out of here. So I don't know how much warning. Maybe we won't get in. That's just my, just my thought. But here's one thing I do know. God keeps his promises. He, t- he gave Daniel the prophecy of when they would be leaving Babylon. He told Jeremiah that they would be in Babylon for 70 years. For thus saith the Lord. This was before that Nebuchadnezzar even attacked. God gave Jeremiah the full revelation of the prophecy, and he wrote it in his book. He said, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. So Daniel knew when the Jews were going to be released. I'm showing you a pattern here. That God's people always had a little bit of insight as to what was going to happen. Daniel knew when the date of the release was. Maybe no one else had picked it up, but he had been reading his book. He'd been reading from the prophet Daniel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the seed of Medes, which was made king over the realm of Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood. I understood by the books the number of the years. He was reading his Bible. He'd been studying the prophet Jeremiah, and the Bible says he understood whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So he knew when they were going to be released. Isn't that something? Maybe none of the Babylonians knew it, nobody else knew it, but he knew it. And because of that, he made this very fantastic prayer. And I put that in the leadership test, right? And I set my face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession. And I said, O Lord, great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Maybe in the whole of Babylon, he may have been the only one who knew because he had been warned. And he says, we have sinned and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly. And you know the story, the angel came and then gave him the next part of the prophecy. Gave him the vision of when Jesus would come. Do you see, it's a, it's a pass down. Each next prophet gets the next part of the, next part of the, the plan. See, Jeremiah didn't know when Jesus was going to come, but he wrote what he was told when they were going to be released. And then now Daniel gets the whole thing up to where Jesus was going to come. And when, when the Messiah was going to be crucified. Amen? Amen. So the angel comes. It says, Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. That's the evening sacrifice. And informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. And God gave Daniel the strategic plan of salvation or his plan of redemption for the whole world. And it's in six parts. He told him 77 or 490 more years are determined for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. He gave him the whole thing. 
But the key was that this 490 years was not continuous. 462 years, sorry, 463 years were continuous. But the last seven has been held in suspension. We're waiting for that last seven to come to, to pass. And this is the, the prophecy that he gave him. He gave him a six-point plan that was going to end, so to speak, the mystery that God had given to his prophets. Remember what it said in Revelation, that when the angel put up his hand, and one foot on the sea and one foot on his sand, and he declared that there should be no more delay, then it would be fulfilled what he had given to his prophets. That's Daniel it's speaking about. He gave him the whole six-part plan. Some of this has already taken, taken a place. Because when Jesus came, he did number three. He came to atone for wickedness. Right? We're waiting for the bringing in of everlasting righteousness. And to seal up the vision and prophecy. But let, let me go on a little bit more. After this period of 62 sets of seven, he breaks it down into three uh, separate periods of times. He told him that the anointed one, that's Jesus, will be killed. He tells him he's going to be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. When he died, you know, they thought, okay, we got rid of him. But the Bible tells us, had they known, if the princes of this world had known what God's plan was, they'd have, they'd have come up with a different plan. It says he will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing. This, this Jewish uh, preacher died, was crucified, and at first it looked like nothing. But look at this, 2,000 years later, we're dating the very date from his birth. And the whole world has been changed because of his death. And then he's, he, he gives him the prophecy that the temple was going to be destroyed. It said, a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. And he goes on to, to lay out in detail what was going to happen. And then it jumps to our time. Verse 27 jumps forward in history. And it says, he, speaking of this mysterious figure, will make a treaty or a covenant with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he's going to break the treaty. He will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. Then as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious office object that causes desecration. And it's all in mysterious language. And we're not going to get into too much deep depth of that because we have covered that before. But when you work out the prophecy, and we've, we've had a, a Bible study on that, we see that it goes out to the day when Jesus came in and for the first time, for the very first time, allowed himself to be praised as what? King. Every time before that, when they tried to make him king, he ran away or hid himself because they tried to do it every time he did some big miracle. But because this was to fulfill prophecy on the 10th day of Nisan, the same 10th day where thousands of years before Moses had told them to go and bring in the lamb, Jesus came in on a donkey riding into Jerusalem. And they put down all their coats and started to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And he started to fulfill the next part of the prophecy. So let's recap, because I, I, I said that this was going to be about, thank you, I said this was going to be about uh, 
the three battles that are going to happen during this seven-year period. And I just was just setting the stage for talking about that. So that last seven years, which we call the tribulation, is divided into two parts of three and a half years each. Three and a half years each. And the whole seven years is called tribulation, or in the scriptures called the time of Jacob's trouble. Because the world's attention will be focused mostly on Israel. And in Revelation, the first three and a half years, we have starting in chapter 6, some strange things happen in Revelation. He sees this angel start to blow a trumpet. And some things that Jesus starting to open the book with the seals. And after every seal is open, there is some kind of event that happens. And after the seventh uh, seal is open and seven trumpets are blown, then we have the next three and a half years. And that is really called the Great Tribulation. Because that's when God's wrath is poured out upon this planet. It's also the time, I believe, where the scripture talks about the two witnesses. Now remember the lesson I taught last Tuesday, I think. What was it called? The dwelling place, maybe? What did I say about God's representation on earth? Right. So, so, in the middle, as I've taught, the church goes. And so, there would be no representation on earth. And that's why I believe that's when the two witnesses will be there, because they're the only ones now there who are preaching the gospel. Amen. Well, we'll, we'll get into that. So this timeline shows the seven-year period, and it starts, it starts with a battle. And so this will be the sign, one of the signs of the start of the seven-year period, is there will be a war going on. The thing is, we may not really know which war, because at any time on earth, there's always wars going on. But this war, it does tell us something of who is fighting the war. So there are some clues. We're going to get to the clues. But it's called the Battle of Gog and Magog. And then in the middle, we have another battle, which we read about in Revelation 12, which is the war in heaven. And in Hebrew, the, the name for heaven is Shamayim. And I just called it the Battle of Shamayim. But in each of these battles, you know who wins? <laughs> Amen. He's never been defeated. And then the last battle is when he returns to set up his throne on earth. And there is a battle called Armageddon. But really it's Har-Mageddon. Har means mountain. And it's the mountain of Megiddo is where the, the battle is going to be. And that's a place in Israel in the valley of Jezreel. So there are three battles that are go major wars that are going to happen uh, during this seven-year period. And it's going to kick off, I believe, with the Battle of Gog and Magog. Now, it's in the middle one that Satan attempts to do what he said he wanted to do all along. When he got to Jesus, he said, why don't you bow down and do what? Because he wants to be the ascendant. He wants to ascend. And all of these battles are for ascension. The first one is for the actual land of Israel. The second one is for the heavenly kingdom. And the last one really is for the kingdom of the earth. He wanted to ascend and be like the Most High. Now it's when he tries to do that, 
In Revelation 12, we read it. It says there was war in heaven, but he loses. There's no more place for him and he's thrown down. It's also when I believe the church is raptured out of here. We don't have to deal with him anymore. It says the accuser of the brethren, which accused them day and night, has been cast down. Rejoice, ye heavens. Rejoice, for the accuser has been cast. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth. For the devil hath come down having great wrath, knowing he hath but a short time. And that's when things get really, really bad. Satan comes down, and it's at that time, I believe, he personally possesses somebody and declares himself to be God. And the man of sin is revealed. So let's see what Jesus had to say about this. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And he sat upon the mount of olives. The disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us when these things shall be. What shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? So these were three separate questions. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and the sign of the end of the world? Well, the first part of the fulfillment of this seven years is this battle. And where you find it is in the book of Ezekiel. Let's read it. Ezekiel 38 verse 3. And thus, and saith thus the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth, and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Then it names four countries, well, three other countries, Persia, which is modern-day Iran, Ethiopia, and Libya with them, as well as Meshach and Tubal, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer, that's Turkey, and all his bands of the house of Tagoma, of the north quarters, and all his bands. And many people with thee, be thou prepared and prepare For thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. After many days thou shalt be visited. In the latter years thou shalt come into a land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people. Now, if you've been listening to the news, Iran has been selling Russia drones they're in league. And the fear is, or the, 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 the thought is, that if Russia is able to somehow vanquish Ukraine, that they won't stop there. The Bible here predicts that eventually the, the real enemy will be Israel. After many days thou shalt be visited and shall come unto the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people which started in 1948, there was no nation Israel. But because of the prophecy said there would be a nation of Israel, all of the people who had been scattered all over the world started to return to Israel. And in 1948, it became a nation. And I said that this was a battle of ascent for the land. And it says, you shall come against my people, which have been always waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely in them. Thou shalt ascend. 
and come like a storm. And thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land, thou and all thy bands and many people with thee. Now if you looked at a map, it would show you what the names of all those tribes, ancient tribes are and where they are now. Some of them you recognize and some of them you don't. But most of them, most of them are Muslim. Most of them are Muslim. Do you know at the site of the temple today, or where the temple was, you know what's there now? Right, there are, there are two things. There's a, a shrine called the Dome of the Rock. And then there is a, um, a Muslim um, masjid. And do you know the only people who can go in there would be a Muslim? Well, a visitor can go, but the only one who can go in there freely would be a Muslim. Now, Jesus made this little hint. He said, when you see the something of abomination standing where it ought not in the holy place, that's the clue. See, the abomination was what happened in Genesis 6. Satan is going to try and counterfeit what God did. Because God became man. He was both God and man. So Satan is going to try and be Satan and man. That's the abomination that caused the desolation of the flood. And that's what Jesus was referring to when he said, As in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. The same thing that was going on in the days of Noah. They were marrying and giving into marriage. Well, if you go to Genesis 6 and 5, you find the only marrying that's happening is the fallen angels trying to cohabit with human beings to change who mankind is. And that's exactly what Satan is trying to do because if he can do that, he can use the human race as his hostage. It says, it says that um, Jesus gave this little clue. He said, when you see the abomination of desolation stand where it ought not. See, we were not created to be possessed except by Christ. And what's going to happen during the tribulation period is that there is going to be possession, but not by the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a terrible time. Amen. So this is what's going to happen. As the armies of Gog and Magog come to destroy Israel, God is going to intervene just as he did at Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says, and I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain. But when it says rain, it's not rain. It's brimstone and fire. Therefore thou son of man prophesy against Gog. Say thus the Lord God, behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. So we know who the combatants are. We just don't know if it's at that stage of the war yet. We already see Iran and Russia are in league. And we just have to see what the other Muslim countries will do. But they're going to lose. It says, I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee. And will cause thee to come up from the north parts. And if you look due north of Israel, I've gone past the map, you'll see it's Syria and Russia. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand and will cause thine arrows, missiles maybe, to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon 
the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people with thee. And I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, to the beasts of the field to be devoured. There's going to be some kind of worldwide cataclysm to collapse all the governments of this world. And it could be a nuclear war or something to allow this one world leader to arise. Uh, as much as people try and find America in prophecy, it's not there. It's not there. Just isn't. People try and find little hints, but it's not, it's not there. We know what is going to be there because the Bible tells us what's going to be there. And so then he, this three and a half years is where things start to get bad, but it's still not the worst part yet. And then the middle battle is when Satan throws off all pretense, all the gloves, and he says, I'm going for broke now. Revelation 17, 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not. This is so cryptic. See, because a lot of this is not going to be revealed till right near the end. It's going to be revealed and it will be clear. I'll tell you what I think. The beast that thou sawest was not. And is not, that means when John the Baptist, sorry, John uh, the Apostle was writing this, he is saying that the power that he's speaking of, the ruling power that thou sawest, was, he was, but right now I'm writing this on the Isle of Patmos, he is not, but he's coming back and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Isn't that interesting? Because that's a clue to who this person is. And go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wander, whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was, and is not, and yet is. Now, there's a certain sect of the Muslim Shia religion that they're looking for their own Messiah. That's right, it's called the Mahdi. And they believe he was secretly hidden away, and he's going to appear... He's going to appear. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall descend and the bottomless pit. Now let me see who, who's been studying their Sunday school. And I'm going to ask you a question. Who in the Bible, apart from the Antichrist, was called the son of perdition? Judas. Judas. Very good. Yes, give her a round. <laughs> Isn't that interesting that he has the same title as the Antichrist? Was, was not, but maybe is. Remember that the whole plan of Satan is to counterfeit everything Jesus did. Well, one of the things that Jesus did was come back from the grave. Come back from the grave. I don't think there'd be anything more powerful to deceive people than if someone who was dead came back from the grave. We'll leave that there for the moment. But the Bible is here giving us a clue as to the nature of who this person is. And he calls him the same name as, Joseph, as, as Judas. And the whole people on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they behold the beast that was was not at the time that John was writing it, and yet is. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven 
the going to perdition. And I don't have time to go into that tonight. But let's keep on going. So we're going to look at this a little bit. Here's Jesus on his last prayer for his disciples. And listen to what he says. While I was with them, speaking about his disciples in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. In fact, Jesus himself said, haven't I called all of you and one of you is a what? <laughs> There's another little clue. I, didn't I call all you 12, but one of you is a, a devil. Luke 22:33. Luke 22, verse 3. As soon as Jesus gave him the sup at the table, the Bible says, then Satan personally entered into Judas. He became personally possessed by Lucifer himself. <laughs> Again, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, let me remind you what the scripture says. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That's the same title that Jesus called Judas. Interesting. I'm going to read a little bit more. Now, in the book of Acts, when they were deciding to replace Judas and they were talking about it, this is what they said. They were going to pray to choose a replacement because there should be 12 of them. And so they, they, they chose two people and they were going to cast lots on who it should be. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas fell by trans, Judas by transgression fell, speaking about Judas, that he might go to his own place. <laughs> Judas had his own place? <laughs> Apparently. Judas, uh, which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. There's some more hints as to who this person is. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon, and he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. Now they can do that today. They are right now converting all of the navy ships, and both China and Russia are racing to replace um, their weaponry with what they call... Um, uh, forgot the technical name of it, but it would be, it would be beam weapons, lasers if you want to put it another way. They, they, they just delivered the most powerful uh, laser weapon uh, last week to the government. So what it can do, it just looks like a, a lightning bolt. He can make fire come down from heaven. I would guarantee you, I would guarantee you that right now there are satellites up there that can do that. That we don't, that is not public knowledge. That can can fry people if they want to. I would guarantee you that it's there. They've had the technology a long time. And they've been putting up secret flights, both Russia, both China and America. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. So this is what's going to happen in the last three and a half years. He's going to take off the, 
the, the, the gloves and declare himself to be God. And if you don't worship him, uh, you're toast. <laughs> Literally, you're toast. You're going to be either uh, fried like they did, the Romans did, or you're going to be beheaded. Which the only people who do that today are the Muslims. Because the Quran specifically says that's how an infidel should be killed. By beheading. That's what the Quran teaches you. Behead an infidel if they will not convert. So the last battle is when Jesus is finally decided it's time. The angel has put one foot on the sea, one foot on the sand, and it's all over. He's coming back. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought. And then the final one is the Armageddon, or we know it as Armageddon. Revelation sixteen sixteen, And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon, but it's, it's a corruption. It really means the mountain of Megiddo. And there really isn't, Sister Mary... There will be tribulation saints. There will be people who come to Christ after the rapture. There will be people who miss the rapture that repent, but they just won't be in the church. They're going to have to do it the hard way. They're going to have to be willing to die. They're going to have to be willing to lay down their life. Right now, Jesus laid down his life. Right? He laid down his life for us. But after the rapture, you're going to have to lay down your own life. That's what it says in Revelation 20. It says, I saw the souls that had been beheaded for the witness of Christ. So if you can't live for him now, how are you going to die for him later? If you can't just come to church and not much, much to it to worship and give God thanks, how are you going to do it when you're under pain of death? When, when they're hunting for you, when you're going to have to hide in your basement, when they're saying you can't buy food unless you, yeah, how are you going to do it then? Well, there's going to be a few people, but not the majority. No, not the majority. But finally, when that angel does put his foot one on the other and he lifts up his hand, then Revelation 16, 16 says God is going to gather them all to this final battle at this place in Israel called the mountain of Megiddo. And you can go look it up. It's a big valley, Jezreel Valley. And this is what it says. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that he be not so soon, soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, that the, the day of the Lord is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except... There come a falling away first, which we see that. And the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, 
showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now ye know that what withholdeth, what is withholding this from happening, is the Holy Spirit. Because God is waiting for the last person, whoever will, to turn to him. It's, everything is in place. Every single thing, the technology is in place to do everything we read here. It's only the Holy Spirit that is holding this off. And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. If you could stand with me. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out the way. And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall destroy with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy, consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Amen. We are very close. The next thing to look for is this war, really. The next thing to look for is to see where this war is going. I I put on Facebook something today. I hadn't commented for a long time, but I'm I'm pretty sure, I feel pretty pretty confident in saying that uh, the next thing you're going to see is some of these other scriptures that I didn't put in here being fulfilled about the use of nuclear weapons. Because if Russia gets pushed into a corner, he's been threatening he's going to do it, and he will use it. And we'll just have another part of this scripture being fulfilled. By the time all the seven seals are open, over one-third of mankind will be dead. That means more than two billion people, according to prophecy, will be dead. That's one in three people will be gone from this planet if all the things that are prophesied happen. You notice in the news uh, what NASA was doing this week, yesterday in fact? What were they trying to do? They were trying to stop an asteroid, testing whether they could stop an asteroid hitting the earth. Why do you think they're doing that? Do they know something we don't know? It's in Revelation, it says, and I saw a star fall from heaven, and it killed a a third of the waters. It's called Wormwood, right? See, why are they doing that? Because there's a whole bunch of these things that they cannot detect. And they still cannot detect them. Because they can only detect the ones that they can see at night. The daytime meteorites, they cannot detect because the sun is there. They have no way of knowing whether there is something coming towards the earth that they haven't detected. And so they're trying to put up another telescope that can operate in the far from earth uh, in, the, in, in the darkness of space so it can detect those that they haven't detected. They know that at some point something is going to hit the earth because it has before. So we see all of these things being fulfilled right before our eyes. But yet Jesus said, all of the virgins were asleep. So I'm just telling you now, it's time to make your calling an election sure. Make sure that you are in the wise virgin, that you have the oil not only in the lamp, but in the vessel. Because Jesus said, the seasons, day and night, may pass away. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. They will accomplish what I have spoken. So whatever God has said is going to happen, it's going to happen. It is absolutely going to happen. And I'm, I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that because I'm happy. 
I want it to happen. I am looking. He says he's coming back to those who love his appearing. Love his appearing. If you don't love his appearing, you know that you need to get some stuff right. Because if you love his appearing, you want out of here. You don't want to deal with this mess that's going on down here. The shootings, the crime, and all of that, and every, every just dealing with everyday life. You want to stay down here and trade heaven for down here? No, no. Bible says he's coming back for those who love his appearing. Don't sell out your heavenly inheritance. Nothing down here is worth it. Nothing. Nothing down worth it. Especially when we know what's going to happen after the rapture. We know exactly what's going to happen after the rapture. And the worst thing about everybody in here is all of you will too. You won't be ignorant about what to expect. You'll know exactly what's going to happen. You'll know exactly all the things. Do you know the, the billionaires and millionaires, you know what they're doing right now? I read this. They're building shelters. They're stocking up. Why are they doing that? They know something, right? I mean, it used to be that it was certain, you know, quirky people did that. But I read the other day that all these billionaires and millionaires are building underground shelters and stocking up on food. Fulfilling the scriptures where it says the the mountains fall upon us and hide us from the wrath of him to come. It's time for us to be witnesses. And that word in the Greek means a martyr. We should be witnessing to other people and telling them that Jesus loves them. That there is a different life they can live. They don't have to live the life they're living. There is a heavenly hope for them. And that God is certainly coming back. Amen. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you tonight for your mercy and your grace. Your love, oh God. And overall, Lord Jesus, your plan to change us, to take us out of here. Help us to be ready. Lord, help us to make our calling and election sure. Help us to not doubt, Lord God. Help us to be your witness, your voice, Lord God. Your hand, Lord God, to help others, to encourage others, to lift up others. Lord, we thank you tonight for your goodness and your grace. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering tonight. Hallelujah.